So there are three words in the English language that end in G-R-Y. One of them is funny. One of them is hungry. <laughs> what is the third one? Snickers. <laughs> I'm Zach. I'm Riff. And I'm Kevin. And it's time for episode number 158 of Video Games Hot Dog, the podcast about video games hot dog. How's it going, guys? Are, is it's is going. this a podcast about us? Yeah, no, yeah. About, about this podcast, it is a everything you do is about you. Podcast, you're so vain, Riff. <laughs> I bet you think everything you do is about podcast you. Podcast is so vain. Everything well, it does is about itself. Earlier today, I entered this room and sat on this couch and started this very sentence. It's true. Huh. Is written on jars of mustard to keep them fresh. <laughs> Uh, uh, this week I got a new iPhone. Uh, oh, your old phone. It was kind of shit in the bed. The battery was dying and, and then problems. the top button stopped working. The top oh. button stopped working, which it, I mean, it, it like 90% stopped working. I could like press it real hard against That's the worse. table. That's worse than just not press working. it with a hammer. <laughs> I could press it with a hammer. Uh, so now it's like a really kludgy iPod, I guess. Um, but with that. Uh, I upgraded to iOS 7 from iOS 5, which I had been a, an extremely long holdout as. You can Yay. finally play Hoplite. I can play a bunch of games, and I have a bunch of new games on my phone, and I have been trying to ration them to myself because otherwise I would just never leave Because otherwise room. you uh, wouldn't be able to play so much fucking Disco Zoo. Oh, you are such a dick. <laughs> <clears throat> Hey Riff, have you played Disco Zoo? I, I have not. Is there? A, yeah. Is there a story here? <laughs> it's a good game, and Zach just hates on it because it's it. it because uh, it angers fool, him. Fool me once, Tiny Tower. Shame on me. me you. Didn't you like Tiny Mall me or something? Twice. Or is that the same game? Fool me twice. Pocket planes. Shame on me. Uh, see, I Fool me play... a third time. Tiny Death Star. I guess shame on me again. I didn't play any of those games. Okay. This I, game. No. You know, okay. The thing that you're thinking of is like Mega Mall Story, is that which is it? a fucking Kairosoft game, which you pay for and then you own it and then you play it, and it's an entire fucking game. Okay. It's not. It's not some. It's not some microtransaction grindy timer waiting ass bullshit. This game. We're sort of jumping ahead here, but this game does have. A lot of timers. Hmm. I think I am at the point now where there are 30 separate timers counting down. So you get 30 separate push notifications that no. your zebra is asleep, your crocodiles is asleep, any, I don't your get monkeys any push asleep, your, your monkeys are fucking asleep. I don't get any push notifications at all. <laughs> so it doesn't does not keep me awake at all. I can sleep hmm. peacefully. I um, want a game that will send me a push notification that my monkeys are fucking my crocodiles. <laughs> and then what I do is I go back in and I island of Dr. Moreau some monkadiles and I send an army of monkadiles to terrorize the shore. You don't want to make crockies? Hmm. Um, I thought monkeys fucked frogs. Yeah, I don't know that you that really counts that, huh? as... <laughs> what? I don't really think that counts as fucking. I guess it does. Yeah. I, hmm. Hell, uh, I don't know. Hmm. Uh, well, do I fuck your hot dog buns? Yes. Oh, well then, yeah, I guess the monkey fucking I mean, counts. Yeah. Yeah, also, sorry about that. <laughs> and I'm sorry you're just finding out now. I, I threw them all away anyway. Okay. 
It's all good. It's all good. I wondered why my supply was dwindling. My supply of your hot dog buns. <laughs> how anyway? About, how about you, Riff? Have you done anything interesting this week? Um, I read a funny book, kind of. Okay. Kind of you... that it was kind of a book, not that it was kind of funnier that I kind of read it. Okay. It was a, a Kindle. Uh, it, it was a Kindle book, which was actually a blog collected into a Kindle format. Okay. But it, the blog is uh, uh, Ryan North, the guy who does Dinosaur Comics and also the... the oh, so I see what you mean. It was kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but the, I, I knew you were going to say that. But he's, he's also the guy that writes the Adventure Time comic books, and those are funny. <clears throat> Have you read those? I have not. You should. They're good. Uh, anyway, also but, he like did some Machine of Death stuff, and like he's yeah, he's been I think he's prolific, involved right? in that. Yeah, he, he's. Been I believe that he is probably a smart and funny guy. He uh, oh, what you uh, you might be thinking of? He did the uh, Hamlet Choose Your Own Adventure, right? But I thought he was also involved in the Machine of Death. I know. Stuff. Wasn't Malky that a bunch of was? I don't. Wasn't that a bunch of short stories from a bunch of different people? Yeah, he might have had a short story in that, but I don't think Corey he was one of the main Dr. guys. Dr. did one. Oh, Daniel Keyes died. The the author of Flowers for Algernon oh, died no. this past Sunday. Mm, that guy ruined my life. So I feel I feel bad, but eh. what? Because is it better now that the, he's is it better now that he's dead? It's not. Like, what, it's yeah, not. So what the ruined, fuck was the point your of life, that? What? Because the the story freaked you out, or yeah, it did. Yeah, like I read that in fifth grade, and it like had a profound impact on my life in mm. in what I would now view as a negative way. Do you now uh, fear dementia more than death? I always feel fear dementia more than death. Hmm. Way, way more. Yeah, that book just like made everything worse. What I am hoping is that dementia will make me less afraid of death. So then it's like kind of mm. a wash. But yet you refuse to take like um, anesthesia that. You just don't remember things. Right? Oh, that shit freaks me out. Yeah. So, but why wasn't weird? Why doesn't dementia freak you out ten times as much? Uh, because there isn't a there isn't an entire me on the other side of it. What do you mean? Right. I mean, it, if it was like, all right, we can either kill you or we can give you twilight anesthesia for the rest of your life. I would say I'll take the twilight anesthesia for the rest of my life because who knows, right? Like, I like to think that. I dream at night and I am aware of it, even if I don't remember it in the morning. And I still like get to experience those dreams and have some fun in there and maybe solve some problems. You know, maybe I'm working, maybe I'm coming up with cool new things. And when I wake up, I think I'm having original ideas, but really they're just secret coded messages from dream me who was riding a fucking sweet rocket motorcycle or whatever. Um, and like you know, just looking out on the looking out on the 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 sweeping planes of my subconscious and finding all my ideas. Huh. That's where I keep them on the planes underneath my rocket motorcycle. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, see, the <laughs> other thing is, a lot of the time when I am say moving around and talking to people, yeah. but I don't remember it, that's because I am so drunk that I have just become a machine for embarrassing myself. And I don't want to sign up for. See, you should. We should. We should do that. a collection of stories that's called "Machine for Embarrassing Yourself." <laughs> Apparently, when I was coming out of anesthesia uh, this last time, I just made the same joke three or four times. I think that's and pretty funny. Emily was getting. Emily was getting really like. I can just imagine her sort of like dad joke response thing kicking in a bunch of times. Also, 
from the first time I got a colonoscopy, I remember having a lot of fun in the post-op room trying to fart. And it's like, haha, everybody, they, they won't let me leave until I fart. How rad is this? This is like, seems like the kind of thing, like, I would pay for this. And I, I did actually like a lot. But <clears throat> I realized today, I don't remember farting at all after this last colonoscopy. All of that farting must have happened during the period of time where I was conscious. I was conscious enough to follow instructions like, fart now, please. Uh, the, the finest day that I ever had was when I learned to fart on command. Um, also, you were farting in Morse code, and you farted the message, now please. <laughs> mm, I, oh, I, I, I Fart farted friend it. friend and enter. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, the, that's the thing. You can't leave. You can't leave until you fart. It's not like a health or safety thing. It's that's how the door opens. It's a fucking weird door. The, this used to be this an, an Elvin hospital. hospital. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I don't know, man. Uh, like, that that kind of anesthesia fucking freaks me. The kind where you just don't, like, you're still conscious, and you still experience all of the fucking agony, but you just don't remember it later? Like, I don't Dementia! Jesus Christ! It's the same fucking thing, but it, like, plagues you for the rest of your life. I don't... Ah, that sounds terrifying to me. It's also terrifying, but it's not more terrifying than death, is... Death death is an end. Death is like a, like... I guess you don't have to be afraid of anything anymore, yeah. but I mean, yeah, I mean, not like... I don't know. Realizing that you used to be smart, like having a, a, a brief lucid moment, or like that's the thing, like reading your old journals where you were like... But you wouldn't sort of, understand them. Well, but you understand that you don't understand them anymore. I don't and that think is that you do. I don't, so I don't, sad. I don't, I don't think you're that you are not a fucking them. cat. Like, <laughs> you're still literate. Wait, are you admitting finally that cats aren't smart? No, I'm, I'm not. I'm saying that the cat wouldn't have written a scholarly paper. Anyway, this blog, Riff. This blog, okay, so... Was it a total fucking downer? <laughs> also, R Ryan North is not only one of the authors of Machine to Death, he's the first listed author. So. Oh, huh, okay. Is that just because they're ordering it by cardinal direction? Yes. <laughs> so what the blog was is a a page-by-page... -page, <laughs> so Kanye West wrote one. It's a page-by-page -page breakdown and analysis and uh, uh, deconstruction, I guess, of the novelization of back to the future deconstruction i think means a thing yeah i think that's that probably missing is not really like what the means. word means i used to know i took but but it, it like is literary criticism 101 it, it, I it is a like a heavy samosas. a heavy um annotation except he doesn't quote the entire page he like quotes salient parts but but like each blog post is a page or two pages with some quotes and talking about what happens on this page and how fucking crazy it is because the novelization was written based on an early draft of the script before oh. a lot of changes were made and was also written by kind of an old guy who didn't understand how young people talk. Huh. Huh. Yeah, it was, now I kind of want to read that novelization. It's, it's weird that you bring really this up fun. today, 30 years to the date, exactly after... Back to the Future Back 1 the future came out. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> so the novelization of The Goonies that I read like a million mm. times as a kid had two deleted scenes from the movie in it. Okay. Right? It had the octopus scene. I don't where there's when they're in the water, like when they've been thrown off the pirate ship and they, they you know, they, they free themselves from their bonds or whatever. They're attacked by an octopus. Okay. And they defeat the octopus by throwing a, a boom box 
playing the talking heads into the octopus's mouth. <laughs> okay. Um, and it, I don't, it, the bass r- r- runs it off. I, something. Okay. Something. Um, but the, there's a scene. So that one was just sort of silly and they didn't want to, you know, film it, do the effects. Yeah. The other scene was when they are on the way to the lighthouse in the first place. They stop at a convenience store to like get supplies for their expedition and they are accosted by Troy and the other guys. And one of them steals the map from Mikey and like rolls it up and lights the end of it, like pretending that it's a joint. And that's why part of the map is burned in the later scenes. And that like it's like some of the information that they needed got destroyed. And so that's created some extra tension later in the. Wow. What dicks. Also. I could have sworn that there is a scene from Return of the Jedi that I can see so clearly in my head as a result of reading this like storybook of it so Mm -hmm. many times as a kid that apparently just wasn't in the movie where there is just a big sandstorm when they're leaving Tatooine at the beginning and not at the beginning at the end of the like the first act and it just doesn't happen in the movie but I have the clearest picture in my head of a photograph of that sandstorm Weird. and the Millennium Falcon sort of visible through the through the foggy sand, the sandy fog. Was it that maybe the cover of the book or something? No, it was just a page on there where it like talks about them leaving in the sandstorm. I Did don't you know, fall man. asleep while reading it, and so it became sort of the sand from my eyes fell onto it. Yeah, it could have been, could have been that. Now I I really like. I want to read the novelization of Back to the Future, and then I want to read this Kindle book. You should. I wonder if you can buy an ebook of the novelization of Back to the Future. Mm, you probably can't, but I bet you can get it for like 40 cents. Yeah, probably. Yeah, Amazon. I'm sure Amazon find would it. have it, I bet. Powell's. Powell's would almost definitely have it. Powell's used books up in Portland. Okay, so I'll just go there, I guess. No, <laughs> they do mail order. Mm. It's like supporting a mom and pop store, but it's a giant store do they not sell through amazon uh they then i don't want it i had to buy a book (laughs) that i didn't really want so that i could get some toothpaste i don't understand the toothpaste and is an add-on yes fucking add-on item and the other thing you should just buy that locally because i think that the prices for they don't have it they they, i can't get it anywhere is why i want to use amazon to get crazy toothpaste the fucking toms of maine with no sodium laurel sulfate in it shut up Okay. They don't have it anywhere. They don't carry it at any stores because I no one fucking don't cares. Think that's true. It's the probably have it at Target. They probably have it at stores that you just don't go to. Well, sure, but I the, because I don't go to them, I don't know where they are. I only know where things are that I go to. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like Portland? What? Where is that? I don't. <laughs> it's up in the corner. Yeah. Mm. Almost. There's and two, also two a, corners. Two two versions. There was also one in every corner. Oh, uh, that's box. true. Yeah. Is there a Portland, box. Florida? <laughs> yep. But I had to buy an Unknown Armies source book, which was a bunch of new schools of magic, so it's like a book I want, but I had cool. to like, what kind of thing do I want that I could buy that would make it so they will just ship me this fucking toothpaste? I would have bought nothing for $10 if it meant that they would ship me the fucking toothpaste. Just just tell me when you want these things, because I, I maintain a list of stuff that I will someday get, and I can just get one of the things that's on my list. <sighs> Instead of you having to, like, invent something that you want. I mean, really, my whole life is a process of inventing things that I want. Right? I mean, that's how, you're that's a difficult, how creative work happens. You're a difficult person to um, to purchase for for birthdays. 
it's getting worse. Yeah, but I don't because you your threshold for getting stuff. If you like want something, you just basically just snap your fingers and get it now. And it's mm. like, well, fuck, man. Because the things like, that I want are so limited in scope. I mean, I you know I want sure. some video games. I want like a book every now and then. And I yeah. just I'm you know. I'm a man of sufficient toothpaste? means to just you buy want the toothpaste. <laughs> the thing is, if I want toothpaste, I can't fucking get it. Like, so I let understand. your friends get it for you for your birthday. I understand that That's it doesn't make birthday. any sense for Amazon to ship me these things for free individually. I don't want them to. I would give them. I would pay twice as much to get the objects that I want for the convenience of not having to go to a fucking store that probably doesn't have them. Doesn't it give you the option to buy them it under regular not. shipping? It does not. It does not. And are, that is the thing that makes me add a, add on It them. is super huh. f- it is fucking crazy. It is fucking crazy the way that thing works. And I think most people just would like, oh, add-on item, I guess I'm not buying this. I guess I will go to the store and get some shitty toothpaste that does have sodium lauryl sulfate in it and maybe slightly increases my risk of canker sores. Do you drink orange juice? No. So is the, is it really the canker sore thing? It is. There is a there is a slight but statistically significant correlation between sodium lauryl sulfate use and persistent canker sores. And huh. like it is just a th- like it's it's been on the Wikipedia article about canker sores for like ten years. I check it every day. Every day, <laughs> I think, what's new in the world of canker sores? Wikipedia. What's new in the in the world of persistent adult canker sores? Um, and what's anyway, new that's in the one world of, the, of that is Allen Poe. One of the few things. What is new in the world of discontinued Doritos flavors? <laughs> um, yeah, that's there's not much that they know about it, but one thing that they know about it is that sodium lauryl sulfate makes it slightly worse, and also sodium lauryl sulfate doesn't fucking do anything. I'm not saying that it's harmful, and I'm not like going on some hippie bullshit tirade, but it is a thing that just tricks you into believing that your teeth are cleaner okay. by coating your tongue with something that makes your teeth feel slippery. So like, hmm. fuck you, toothpaste, fuck you, and it also makes orange juice taste weird. Yep. That's why I was asking. Because yeah, that I mean, was I the reason I don't that care. I didn't like it. Like, I brush my teeth and then I go to bed. Like, that's... I liked the cinnamon flavor of Tom's of Maine, and they fucking discontinued it. And if I had known, if they would given me some notice, I would have stocked up and had, like, ten years of, of that toothpaste. But instead, like, well, I finished my tube and it was just already gone from in, every store. In the future, they'll be able to do that because they'll have all your purchasing information. Exactly. So they'll be able to send you an email saying we're about to run out Access of Access product. Yeah. The way that I can tell when something is about to be discontinued is if I discover it and it's good. <laughs> you know what else was pretty fucking good? Clearly Canadian. Yeah. They brought and, that back, uh, though. They did. They brought it back for a while. Ben and Jerry's again? Cool Britannia was mm. the best. I didn't, uh, I didn't see any of it at the Fizzery. I figured if any place had... Oh. Although, the place that I got... Clearly Canadian, when it resurged, was AJ's, Purveyors of Fine Foods. Oh, interesting. Um, here's the thing about the nuclear Maybe they Canadian, had an exclusive condo. Half of it was fucking sucralose bullshit, and the other half of it was like, right, you had to, re- you had to read the ingredients to figure out which flavors wow. had fucking sugar in them and which ones were fucking Splenda. Weird. And it was like, well, you could also just taste them, and the ones that were fucking disgusting are the ones that have <laughs> Splenda in them, and the ones that taste like a delicious, clearly fucking Canadian are the ones that had sugar in them. Man, I drank so much of that in high school. 
I, I also had a lot of Quaaludes Canadian. I don't do, know why it was so appealing. Do they still make uh, New York seltzer? Do you I remember that? Mm. It was like is that? It's Canadian? like soda water with it, paste picante sauce <laughs> poured into it. <laughs> no, it came in like smaller bottles, but little these little like you know like those um, fruit juice hugs barrels oh size, yeah except little it, hugs yeah it, i'm not talking about that but it was like a little glass bottle about that size and it was just mm. seltzer water but with all different flavors available it was really good weird do you drink seltzer water these days riff uh no not really uh i've been going back and forth between iced tea and just regular water with that those flavoring bottles Oh, just regular and, water. Yeah, and then on like flavored, weekends, so like flavored flat water. Ugh. Yeah, that doesn't that does not sound awesome. Yeah. Also, the only way that you can make those flavoring things is with artificial sweeteners, which I don't understand how anybody can stand. That's that. like not I'm not true. I don't think that I could pass the Pepsi challenge on a Coke versus a Mexican Coke. Like I'm not. I'm not that guy. Like, I don't actually think that there is a significant difference between sugar and high fructose corn syrup, but artificial sweeteners are fucking nasty. I can definitely, I can definitely tell the difference between those and sugar. Oh and yeah. The I way mean, that I can tell can is because they are fucking the gross and sugar is fucking good. You get, you get used to it though. That is, that is the strongest just put a recommendation that anyone can ever give is, ah, oh, this sucks, but you eventually get used to it. Put a put a <laughs> squirt of like lime juice in, and that's a natural sugar and flavor, and it's great. And that's not artificial sweetener. That's my that's my advice to you. Slice up some cucumber, stick it in your water. Oh, that's good. You make a refreshing oh. cucumber water. Okay. Yeah. Slice. You use the rest of the cucumber to make a cucumber salad. Okay. You can uh the there are places that like make a big vat of ice water and then they just throw in a bunch of like oranges and lemons and stuff and that that stuff is delicious i kind of anticipated you saying corn but (laughs) yes Mm. yeah here's what you do you get a gallon jug of water yeah you pour in one can of creamed corn oh god oh that it's good. I mean, it's it like just, orbit. It, just it's, it, it infuses. It infuses it with a nice, subtle hint of creamed corn flavor. <laughs> oh, it's wonderful. Have you been playing any video games, Riff? Uh, yeah, I played a couple uh, iPad games. Let me look and see what they're called here. I played. Um, I played a game called Lex, which is a, a sort of anagram Scrabble kind of word game. You get okay. like a row of letters and you're, you're making words. Uh, the twist is that every letter has an individual timer. Like they, they fill up oh, with Jesus. red as you, as you continue to not use that tile. And if any one of the tiles fills all the way up, you, you lose and the game is over. Oh. And as you make more words, your score multiplier goes up. And the music gets more intense and the visuals get more intense and the timers get faster. Hmm. It's super difficult. I mean, I'm not, I've never been particularly good at anagrams, but particularly under the pressure of a timer. So I'm really not very good at it, but it's, it's a pretty neat game if you like Scrabble. When you, were you good at Word Realms? I was okay at Word Realms. Um, Did you feel like the timer was really significant pressure? Not really. I, 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 I mean, I felt like the we timer had, we was had enough, so long that yeah, it was... Yeah, we had enough was, time on that timer that 
I didn't really feel pressured by it. Many so people did, did not either. feel that way. Many people really? felt like the timer was that just the just made it made of it sort timer. of un, unacceptably stressful. I mean, probably if the timer had been an hour, they would have been fine with it well, because they yeah. wouldn't have noticed that it was happening. But like, I mean, I think we ended up with thirty seconds was how long you had to make forty five forty five Jesus, and it was still not enough thirty time. seconds for the wizard. Thirty seconds for the warrior. wizard. Yeah, it was that wizard from the moon. Y- yes. What what is that about? Everyone was doing that on Twitter, and I don't know what that originally was. It there was a bunch of like there was a video that was like check out how terrible Peter Dinklage's VO work for Destiny is, and there was just a bunch of like out of context things of Peter Dinklage reciting VO, but he's supposed to be a fucking awkward stilted robot, so mm. it was just this out of context thing. Mm. It was like oh look at how funny that, but I mean then it's also funny to hear Peter Dinklage say. That wizard was from the moon. <laughs> that is pretty good. Yeah. Is uh is Destiny out for the public? It's not, right? It's not, no. So the press have been able to a play bunch it, of but... people well, a bunch of people were in the alpha like this past weekend. Oh, okay. Um so I still don't know anything about Destiny. It's like a giant transmedia experiment. Oh. Huh. I don't know. Now I true. still don't know anything about yeah. Destiny. <laughs> Uh, the other thing I played was uh, Quadriga, which that's spelled with a V instead of a U to make it more Roman. Um, okay. It is a a chariot ra- a turn based chariot racing and management sim. Okay. Um, you've got you know your your uh, chariot with your team of four horses and your guy driving it, and it's a top down view of the arena and every I think. Eight or ten seconds, it pauses the action, and you get to pick what your driver's next command is going to be, whether, like, accelerate or uh, whip the horses or decelerate because you're about to hit the curve or whip the guy in the chariot next to you or change lanes or whatever. And uh, so you, uh, it's got that layer of, of like, the... The chariot race and you know your your guy can fall off the back of the chariot and be dragged behind it and chariots can wreck so you have to dodge the debris and so it's so like on. car wars but yeah it's like turn-based car wars with roman chariots and then the between uh race is you've got your stable of of horses and the the charioteers and chariots and you're paying money for repairs and uh, making wagers on the next uh, on the next race and so on. So you've got all the management stuff. It's it's pretty cool conceptually, but the the art is kind of bland and it, and it's all it's all kind of dry. Um, so I I didn't really get into it. But I mean, anyone who's really into a racing sim like that should find it interesting. the the other The other downside is that it's also ten bucks. And it's it's wow. kind it's kind of flat and dry for ten bucks. It could use I feel like it could use some more polish if they want to charge that much. But the idea is really neat. So I mean, who def- made it? Uh, I can I can look it up and see if it says on the title screen. Uh, Slytherine or and or Ternopia. Maybe Slytherine is the publisher. Hmm. Huh. Makers of. Hmm. <laughs> no idea. What about you, Kevin? Well, I've been playing some Disco Zoo. Fucking Disco Zoo. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, oh, is that the one where the monkeys fuck? Uh, they they wander into other animals' cages, but I've never actually caught them fucking anything. Uh, they're sly. Uh, so, 
Uh, it is a on the surface and also deep down. <laughs> it is kind of a bullshit uh, microtransaction timer based game. Um, but it has kind of a cool little puzzle game element to it, which is the sort of the core actual game loop um, where you the the narrative is that you open this zoo and you go out into the wild to quote rescue animals i'm like i don't think they needed any rescuing but whatever you're just instead of capturing or enslaving they had to come up with a verb that was uh not going to piss everybody off um <laughs> and so what that entails is there's a grid of uh 25 tiles 5 by 5 um and you are you have 10 squares that you can flip over and uh on the backs of those, on, the, on those little cards or whatever, are um, nothing or some coins or occasionally like a, a, a like a, a, an animal image. And the animals are always arranged in the same configuration. There's like, you know, anywhere from two to four tiles that compose a particular animal. You're playing Battleship, right? But kind with, of, yeah. Uh, okay. But, and you have a certain number of torpedoes and the animals are weird shaped Tetris pieces that are hidden in there. Yeah. But a given animal is always the same shape. They also don't, they can be diagonally contiguous, which. So they can be just not contiguous at all, which is why they're not, which is why it's not exactly battleship. Like there can be like one of the animals is as one square. You go diagonally up, skip one and then go diagonally up again. And it's another square. What kind of animal is that? That's the phoenix. That's not a real animal. There's well, because every, so like, every region two, has a mythical two animal. pieces of it. There's like, there's like the. Well, but the, the, the bears are. Too tall, skip a column, and then too tall. Oh. There's like the centaurs that are like a guy, half a guy and half a horse, but they're not connected. <laughs> so that uh, would make sense narratively. Anyway, uh, so what what ends up happening is because it tells you up top which animals are hidden in the grid. And so you can, it becomes this sort of interesting little miniature logic puzzle of where can they possibly fit on this grid and can I get them all or the the rare or valuable ones in the 10 clicks? Can that I got to catch them all? Can I can I catch them all? Exactly. So gotta I catch them all. There's a lot of there's a uh, a bunch of, you know, collection mechanics. You're trying to get all these animals for your zoo. And then each animal is produces currency, but it has a timer before it falls asleep. And once it falls asleep, it stops producing currency. And so that's the the thing where it sort of question of questionable eth- ethical value uh sort of draws you back in to check on it regularly even if you're not going to play if you want to build up resources so that you can play a bunch later you have to check back in every like 30 minutes or hour probably um and that that is definitely a little bullshit but at the same time i don't think i would want to just sit there and continuously play this little puzzle game over and over and over again collecting all the animals well right you would want to play as much of a game as that system is capable of providing which is probably like an hour's worth of game and you would have probably bought that hour's worth of game for two or three dollars and then the world would be fine i don't know i like i I mean no and nobody you know i should be the last person to like decry the free-to-play model right because Every meal that I have eaten for the last 11 years has been the result of a free-to-play game. And every meal that you guys have eaten for the last <laughs> 11 years has also been a result of that. But I mean, it's weird. It's weird that is 
a lot less sleazy than other free to play. It is a little weird that you're like you're free to play business model involves having people send us a bunch of food. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> that's how that's like a barter economy, sure. right? Like we give you video games. We have more video games than we need. You have more sandwiches than you need. Exactly. So let's just work out a Pareto superior arrangement. <laughs> right. Also, you have more daughters than you need. Let's talk. <laughs> um the daughters can carry fucking the game, sandwiches. man. This fucking game. I I, I I downloaded it when yeah. you guys were playing it. I was like, all right, I get it, and deleted it after, like, three minutes. Wow. Because fuck that. Like, you have had a lot of experience with, with these nimble bit, tiny tower-style games, though, right? So, like, this is my this is the first one that I've ever interacted with, and I'm I'm enjoying it, right? Just play Tiny Death Star. No. Uh, I don't want to. Yeah, good. Don't. Don't play it. Okay. It's Star Wars. It's got some, you know, you have a little Darth Vader. It like thinking about the way that these systems are designed. The each of the timers is for Bullshit. a different quantity of time. So there is just no way to. There's no way to optimize, optimize other it. than constantly fucking play. Yeah. There's no way to optimize other than check this every time you pee, every time you poop. But it's like a, every time you it's like a eat. five second engagement thing, which is totally fine. And then you can like you build up a, a stockpile of currency and then you play your 20 minutes or whatever before you go to bed and then you do it again the next day. And it's not it like because it's on my phone. I think it's less obtrusive than if I had had to like log into a website. <laughs> to like every drive somewhere. 15 to minutes. Play it. Yeah. <laughs> um. There's a drive-in movie theater where the movies are free. It's just that you can only watch one minute of them every hour. So you gotta leave, go somewhere else. You, know, you can pay for the you can pay for the premium drive-in. The, then they you know they're a little less they're a little less strict about searching your trunk on the way in. You know, like yeah, have some fun. Um, so besides that, uh, because I have iOS seven now, I can uh, play some other games. You have a grid. You have notes that you've taken about Disco Zoo. I do. You have a you have images of every animal's shape. Yep. Their configuration on this grid. Yeah. It's I like I like how this looks actually. You should clone this game in a way that isn't shitty. Okay. Just clone the logic puzzle version of the game. I I really like the guy who probably designed the logic puzzle part of it and i would feel like an asshole doing Give him that, half the money okay i guess that's that would be a way to do it this is the the guy that designed it is the same one that made train yard riff i don't know if you remember oh, okay. that yeah um and that was one of like that's one of my favorite ios puzzle games ever and so i i was that's why i even was aware of this what is that guy's name matt ricks r-i-x okay oh the founder of ricksty yes <laughs> So, uh, another iOS 7 game that I played uh, is Power Grounds. It's by the guy that made Amber Halls. Yeah. Very, very similar. I did not realize there aesthetic. was an iOS version of Power Grounds. Yes. Um, I played a little bit of the web version. It seemed fun. <laughs> it's, you know, it's fun. It's, um, it is another grid game, turn-based grid game. You, there are enemies that spawn. There's an exit and you are trying to get to the exit, you can choose to kill the enemies or not. Um, and then there are, like, solid blocks, which are walls and uh, colored tiles on the floor, which at the beginning of the game start out as gray, and if you get power-ups, some of those tiles become 
randomly assigned to a particular <clears throat> power up. Is it random? That was the thing. I feel that... like it's random. As far as I can tell, it's random. And the power ups are all very, very different. Some of them are like offensive. Some of them are defensive. Some of them are just like teleport you between them and stuff. They're similar to the spells in Amber Halls. Like the, kind this... of. Yeah. There's a, there are more of them. There's like nine or ten of them uh, in power grounds. Hmm. And there's shields and stuff. Stuff that like does attacks but also moves you and that kind of thing. Um, and that's that that one was super neat. Uh, and then I am playing through um, this game called Strata, which is another puzzle game. It's like you're weaving ribbons together and you can there. It's also on a grid. And when you cross two ribbons, whichever one is on top um, sort of determines the color of that square. And there's a pattern on the on the grid and you're trying to match that pattern by weaving ribbons. Um, and it's fun. It's, it's a good logic puzzle. It gets harder and harder as the grid, the size of the grid expands and the number of colors of ribbons exp- it, like increases. I think um, I may have played that. Yeah, that would, uh, Emily actually recommended that one to me, uh, many months ago and I bought it and then couldn't play it because I didn't have iOS seven. Or six. I probably could have played a lot of these games on iOS six, but I was holding out. And you know what? It's like a whole new world spread out in front of you. And what you do is play Disco Zoo. (laughs) I'm just I'm playing. I just picked one at random. I didn't realize that this one would take a ton of uh, of time. Just delete it. Uh, It's. Do you want to keep playing it? I do. I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying. I like. I want to yourself. The the next uh, (laughs) the next craft that I get to unlock to. to get animals is a time machine. Okay, a, spoiler alert, it's gonna be the same shit. It's different, they're different grid, they're like different uh, configurations <sighs> of animals, and that requires that those, they're different puzzles. Dude, it's it's interesting. You're just wrong if you think it's, if it's boring. Okay. So. Uh, also, Sudoku's cool. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fine. Yeah, I have a bunch of other games, like I can play Monument Valley now. Uh, I can play uh, Paper Fox, which is something that I downloaded a long time ago. I have I don't even remember. I don't even remember a lot of what these games like, why I got these, or like where I heard about them, or anything. Play Monument Valley on the iPad, though. I wouldn't uh, really. Yeah, yeah. It's really, really pretty. Well, I have it on my phone, though. Well, I don't own an iPad, so play it on Melissa's. I'd have to buy it again. No, you wouldn't. Yes, I would. Oh, you'd have to buy it as her. Yeah, she'd have to buy it. Do you yeah. know her iTunes password? I don't. Yeah, just spend her money on it. Uh, Pretending you said yes. Hoplite, Black Bar, those are some other games I have. I saw a recommendation for Hoplite somewhere and downloaded it, but I haven't looked at it yet. It's good. Yeah, Tom Z- Francis Zach likes has been it. Darius Kazemi likes it. Alexander Martin likes it. Um, you want to be like those people, don't you? <laughs> and then... Uh, the answer is yes. Yes, you do. It's a good game. Hoplite is a really good game. I, had, I played a... I played a little bit of it and I couldn't, I didn't get into it right away. And I was like, I'll play this later. The, your objections to it are duly noted. It's, I, it is like a hex grid 868 with fewer moving parts. Hmm, okay. My, my complaint or my, the thing that was like, I really don't, I'm really kind of frustrated by this was there are certain enemy units on this hex grid, which are archers and they can hit you at a distance of like maybe four hexes. But it is extremely difficult. They, you know, you're moving every turn. They're moving every turn if they're not firing at you. And 
you can click on them and it will show you where they can fire to. Yeah, they shoot before they move. So you always know. Well, right. No, but I'm saying they also move every turn. For a given board state, there are a fixed number of positions that you can move to without taking damage. And like sometimes that number is zero. Right. Right. But you have to, in order to know that, you have to click on every enemy to see what things are highlighted. I mean, you eventually, you get a sense of it. Sure. Right? And you're better off not having it spelled out for you in the beginning because it forces you to learn the rules. Right? But if the rules were just always visible, you would also learn them by fact that they would just always be visible. Well, but sometimes... There are areas that they can shoot you in, but if you move into those areas, they won't because you will kill them, for instance. So there's not really any way to, like, when you, it is possible for you to click an archer and there, it highlights the areas that yeah, will, they could that shoot. they could shoot, but there is one of those that you could move into without taking damage because it would kill the guy. How would, how would them firing at you kill them? It wouldn't. You moving there would kill them. And yeah. so even though it's a space that they could shoot, you would kill them by moving there. So, so I can see why. it's not that why, it's an unsafe space. Yeah, it's just that this is where they can shoot. And I so d- d- displaying that all at once would potentially be misleading. And I mean, also, whether you can kill them or not varies based on your power-ups and stuff. I mean, you get power-ups that let you, like... That was a little confusing, too. Like, I understood the lunging at an enemy, but there was something about, like passing by an enemy you can kill them or something yeah anytime you move from a space to a anytime you move from one space that is adjacent to an enemy to another space that is adjacent to them they die okay so it's a fucking good game i'm sure i'm sure it is it's just like Uh, your your objection i i I sort of agree with though right like because you can get all this information by clicking on each enemy in turn so why doesn't it just give you that information right Mm. and there must be a reason yeah. You know. Uh, your your point is a good one. Like it if you just became to believe that every yellow square was unsafe or whatever, then you wouldn't it would be much harder to to internalize killing stuff. Like the squares you can't land on to kill stuff. And also it would look like a mess if a bunch of enemies were on the screen at the same And time. if it also if it if it realistically just said, Will you take damage if you move here or not, the display would basically become an AI for playing the game for you. Hmm. Right. Because it's like any square that is adjacent to an enemy, if you're there when they attack, like they can hit you like those the the melee guys. But like if you are next to one of them, some of those squares that they can attack, you would kill them if you moved into it. So do they do they fade out that one a little bit, but less if it's also in the firing path of an archer? Right. Like it it gets. Yep. Like for any given enemy, you can click on it and extrapolate certain things about how it's going to behave, but the combination of those things, there's not, it never would introduce any ambiguity into what would happen. Like it always knows what will happen if you move to a spot, but it's, it's hard to express unambiguously. Maybe Hmm. that was a game though, that I did not care to get good enough at it to get all the achievements. All the achievements. No, like I beat it a few times. I got most of the achievements. I started like, because there's a thing, like, you you get to a certain level and you've, like, retrieved the golden fleece or whatever, and you can keep increasing your score by going deeper, like, going into more and more and more difficult levels, and you always have the option to leave if you make it to the exit, and that's how you get the most points. 
is by going sort of extra deep, like increasing the challenge deliberately. But then you have to make it out to get for the score to count. Hmm. So it's this sort of interesting push your skill. Yeah, that's set up. Uh, what about you, Zach? What have you been playing? Mostly Wildstar. Yeah. I got back into the Spelunky Daily Challenge, so I've been doing that. I've been doing a couple of the uh, Amber Halls Daily Challenges, mm. too. I got nothing to report, though. It's still Spelunky. It's still the best video game. Okay. Um, so then why are you playing Wildstar? Why are you not just playing Spelunky all the time? Well, because you can only play Spelunky once a day. You can only play the Daily Challenge once a day, but yeah. you can play as much Spelunky as you want. But that's Spelunky. I <laughs> uh, Man, one of, our, uh, one of our KOL buddies clued me into the existence of a thing called Froslunky, which is a little memory resident program that you run while you're playing Spelunky. And what it's for is for playing a particular seed. So like you can type in a level seed and it will do it. And so people will like share seeds like, oh, this was a really cool one or whatever. But it has these modes where it can make hard lunky or insane lunky. And then you can give it seeds for those. And it tweaks the level generation algorithm such that. And I think all of these things must be controlled by one variable or I don't know why this thing does both of these but it essentially like almost any time that there could be a threat in a square it creates one and almost any time that there could be like an item or a jewel hidden in the ground it creates one so you end up like in these levels where it's just like on the opening screen you can see like 30 spiders and 40 bats and like 60 beds of spikes and all of these fucking arrow traps just everywhere. And it ends up being like this just insanely difficult way of playing the game. But like, because Spelunky is so good and so fair, like it's totally possible if you were good enough hmm. to, to like, it, it also generates a shitload of extra like rocks and stuff on the ground. So you have a lot of tools at your disposal to like hmm. defeat foes from far away. And there are so many items hidden in the ground that like, you know, you bomb a few floors and you're likely to get like all the power ups. It's crazy. Hmm. Um, so yeah, that's pretty fun, but you go to download it and Chrome is like, this is malware. And then you're like, mm, download it anyway. <laughs> and then it's fine. I guess. I don't know. I could be totally compromised. My desktop could be owned. I played some more Wildstar. Tell, tell me about Wildstar. I've been, uh, you know, I've been shooting a lot of dudes and uh, leveling up and decorating my house. I got another fireplace uh, to keep my back warm while I look at my first fireplace. Okay, <laughs> so that's are they identical? Pretty cool. No, there's there are two different ones. Okay. Um, I put in a bid on a third fireplace, but I lost. Okay. I did a little bit of PvP, which was, you know, which was whatever. I went into the PvP match and I was like, "All right, guys." I have no idea what the fuck I'm doing. This is my first PvP match. I need someone to be my boss. And then they were like, two people go right, two people go left, everybody else go center. And I said, where should I go? And one of them said, come right with me. And then that guy actually explained a lot of the PvP objectives to me instead of telling me that I should just quit PvPing. Cool. One guy told me to quit PvPing and I said, but I just started. And then we won and I got a cool searchlight. What uh, what did you do when you went right? Why would you go right? So the PvP battleground match thing, and as I understand it, you start out. Um, there is like a control point where you are just trying to like occupy it for as long as you can, and I think okay. there is just a meter that goes up when 
your team is in the thing, but if an equal number of the other team is in the thing, it's, it goes up much slower. Oh, I don't think it actually stops. Well, stops. How does it determine which one? Well, it's not. It, it's there's only one person trying to take it. Right, they're uh, trying to defend it, and you're trying to take it, and then you take all the control points, and then they the enemy has that much time, however much time that took, oh. they have that much time to take three points with you being the defender. Crazy, and so you're just trying to like basically be better at offense or defense or both than they are, which that's really clever. That is really clever. Actually. I like that a lot. Um, but there are these side objectives that they that they can do, which. I think the more of the side things you control, the fat, the more influence you have over the middle thing. Okay. Um, but I mean, it's mostly just a way to split attention because that makes it interesting as opposed to just right. crazy free for all. Anyway, I got a cool searchlight for my house. Um, and it's just a thing that sweeps back and forth and, and sends a, a beam of light around. But it turns out that the, the beam of light is, uh, an object that you can't select things through so now in order to get into my house i have to like zoom the camera way around to my feet and click on the door because if i'm actually looking at my house from a distance i can't click on the door because the beam of light from the spotlight is in the way of clicking on the door most of the time so i think i might need to move that spotlight is it just right in front of your door i put it above my door I think it's supposed to go on the ground and like sort of search like the, you know, like it's us, the grand opening of Zach's cool house. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I don't know, man. I I installed a medical center on my space island uh, so that apparently I can play a little uh, mini game about defibrillating wounded dudes. I hope their hearts were wounded because otherwise the defibrillation is the wrong treatment. (laughs) Um but it makes it so you play some of the weird little mini games like the hit F as fast as you can and then the hit F at particular times and not other times mini game. I want you, you have to, to do hit it really, F as hard as you can. You have to do it really well and really fast or you don't get the tree. I think I got a tree for uh, beating that challenge. And then I put the tree up next to my other tree and Is it my Because it was post. triage. Uh, oh. That's pretty funny. I wonder if that is why. And I've also just been, you know, playing like the game where you go around and shoot spiders and shit. The the plant the regular game. Yeah, the 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 MMO. Right. In the MMO. It's just it's fucking good. It's fun. If you like MMOs, this is a good one. This one seems like it is just very video game. It's it's like the uh Saints Row 4 of MMOs or yeah. something. <laughs> One thing that somebody mentioned in our forums that I entirely agree with, there are seemingly hundreds of little snarky, smart-ass things that it will say to you when you res at a graveyard. Like what? I've never heard the same one twice, and I am ready to fucking strangle this guy for making fun of me every time I fail at doing something in the video game. Really? It is really fucking obnoxious. Huh. The game is harshing you. You're mellow. It is. It is. I just, I, I, it's my responsibility to just mellow my mellow to the point where it's unharshable. Uh, I also, I, I, I downloaded, I didn't buy cause it's a fucking garbage free to play. Uh, Angry Birds Epic which is like a turn-based RPG uh-huh. in the Angry Birds universe, which is, is 
interesting as an RPG. Um, the thing that stopped me from playing it was not running into like a paywall, but the loading times for starting the fights and stuff were just a little too much for how much game there was for me to tolerate. Interesting. The Star Wars game, at least it made sense for there to be loading screens because they were, you know, bringing in like 3D assets and stuff. Um, I had almost forgotten about that. I wish that game had been better. Did you just stop playing it entirely? Yeah, I just... I don't remember if I gave them any money or not. I might have spent you did. $5 on that or something at some point, but yeah. Huh. Yeah, I mean, it just, you know, it just ends up turning into like a huge grind thing, which I'm assuming this one does too. But it's like very simple turn-based RPG mechanics, but put together in clever ways, which is a thing that I really like. Mm, uh, I should probably just play Knights of the Old Republic over and over again. That's where I should meet my RPG needs. I bought uh, I bought all of the Spiderweb games and all of the Dungeons & Dragons games that were in the GOG sale today. Oh, yeah. Like, I was looking at that sale right before... Is that like the Pools of Radiance? Types no, of it's the newer. It's the it's the Infinity Engine ones. Oh, okay. It's like Baldur's Gate one and two, and Planescape Torment, and the Temple of Elemental Evil, and the Neverwinter Nights. Oh, they games. made Temple of Elemental and, Evil. Yeah, apparently it was really bad. Huh. The the port of it was really bad. It might be one of those things like Vampire Bloodlines that's patched hmm. into a tolerable shape now. Also. You know, I would have said, apparently it's really bad about Alpha Protocol until I played it and understood that the people who said it's really bad don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Yeah, So maybe awesome. the Temple of Elemental Evil is a really fucking awesome <laughs> video game, and everything that I know about it is actually just bullshit. They also have the Soul Reaver series for super cheap. Did you ever play those? I think that when you first came to the office, you had your little binder of... Yeah. PS2 games, and I played a minute of Soul Reaver 1... And I didn't really like it. Hmm. It's real good. Well, if you say so. I do. Anything in the news catch the fancy of you gentlemen? Uh, Anita Sarkeesian's latest uh, Tropes versus Women in Video Games video was released this week. Was it good? It was really good, actually. I, I think it might be the strongest one that from the series that I've seen. Um... It's like women as background decoration. Uh, it talks about like objectification and sexualization, uh, the disposability of women um, as sort of set pieces and NPCs in games. It talks about sort of like the negative aspects that that has on us as individuals and culture at large and stuff. It's it's really well reasoned and it's like it's just like tons and tons of examples of like just kind of gross behavior and i don't it's not like i'm trying to apologize for the game developers because i can i can understand that you could you just make that stuff without really thinking about it while you're in the sort of game dev zone but when you take that out of context and you just start looking at the example after example after example it just does kind of turn your stomach like how we've gotten into this trap of just making the same things over and over and over again the, the some of our some of our listeners commented in the forums about how, and I noticed this too, like the the vast majority of the lines that were quoted in the video were were by these prostitutes being like, oh, you're so handsome, I might even give you a discount or whatever. Like this weird sort of fantasy about you being so attractive to a prostitute that she's willing to give you a freebie or or whatever. 
like just over and over and over again. That was this, that was the sentiment or the, the line sort of verbatim that they would repeat. I mean, it's just juvenile empowerment stuff. I mean, like, sure. Yeah. I guess it's like sort of weird fantasy sort of gratification fulfillment that they think that the players want, or maybe that the developers are sort of fulfilling their own kinds of sort of power fantasies. Who knows? Who knows whether this is designed to be something that's like titillating and therefore theoretically more, you know, sort of profit worthy for, for the overall companies or something. I don't know. Did you, did you get a chance to see it riff? No, Uh, I definitely recommend it. I would definitely check it out. I think it is super important that we are at least talking about this kind of stuff. Because not examining it, I think, is the worst thing. Like, we can continue to do this if that's what we really want, right? But we should just be aware of what we're doing. We don't put any... We don't, we've never had any prostitutes or strippers in any of our video games. It's not really that kind of game, though. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we definitely do fall prey to some of the sort of tropes that she talks about. In general? In earlier stuff, yeah. I mean, I don't tend to write characters at all, so I don't tend to write female characters, but... Right. But, like, even just in the, just in our iconography, like, we'll, we will m- make a female character by putting a bow on the, the male character or whatever. Mm, I, I sort of disagree with a lot of the points of execution in that particular one, but... I don't know. We've had this conversation before. I don't remember if we've had it on the podcast before. But I don't like, remember either. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, it's a smart series. You should you should check it out. It is. What uh, what uh, what is in the news for use? Nothing. I don't think the. I found out today there's a new uh, gunpoint engine that apparently fixes some stuff, and so gunpoint do that. What was wrong with it? Mm. Nothing, I guess. Yeah, that's weird. He said he fixed some, he made the graphics look nicer and made it so you can do something in the level editor that you didn't used to be able to do and also added Steam Workshop support. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's so that's probably a big deal. Maybe there will be cool, super hard user puzzles yeah. for Gunpoint now. That seems kind of rad. I should play through Gunpoint again. I feel like it's, be- like, I played it all at a stretch and it's been so long that I bet I could play it again and it would just be like playing a new game now. I don't remember the solutions to many of the puzzles, and I feel like there are multiple solutions yeah, anyway, so it would probably be pretty satisfying solutions. to play through it. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know, man. I don't pay much attention to game news anymore. Oh, yeah. We should there just is, stop uh, doing this segment. <laughs> there is kind of a kerfuffle with uh, yet another kerfuffle about Ubisoft uh, stuff. Oh, yeah? They, it was discovered that the, the PC version of uh, Watch Dogs um, had graphical quality settings in code like like okay so if if the graphical quality sliders normally go up to high there was code for allowing them to go to ultra high but that was not actually accessible in the game but it was in the code and very easy to turn on Hmm. so you could like some guy made just a really simple mod that made this flag or whatever available and it apparently makes the game looks way better on PC without much of a or at all of a processor hit. Some people feel, and so there's there's 
everyone's wondering if if this is a big conspiracy move to to keep PC games from looking better than the console counterparts. And then there's other people saying like, well, no, I think maybe they just hadn't finished making these settings or whatever like that. If they only got 90% done tweaking this high-end stuff, maybe they just didn't maybe they didn't feel it was ready and and thoroughly bug tested yet. But, yeah, I mean, if there were I places mean, where, it, where something looked goofy because of some other thing that wasn't done, that they would just be like, eh, let's just skip it. Yeah. Almost nobody would be able to see this anyway. Yeah, I mean, the thing about conspiracies is that they're not ever plausible. <laughs> I don't know that there's a conspiracy, but I can imagine. I, I, I don't know anything about this, but I can easily imagine, like, Sony or whatever saying... We know you're not going to keep this an exclu- as an exclusive title to Sony or whatever, but we will give you a million dollars if it does not look better on PC than it does on, on the PlayStation so that we can continue to say, look how awesome the PlayStation is for an extra six months to s- drive sales, right? That seems like something that could very easily happen. That is a thing that could happen, but enough people would know about it, and enough disgruntled AAA game studio people would know about it, that there is no way that that would happen without it coming out. <sighs> That's my, that is my contention. These are not, these are not fucking, like, government agents with security clearances these are just fucking dorks who work at a video game studio who almost all just because their jobs are so shitty come with like built-in axes to grind you don't feel like you don't feel like the fear of being sued keeps a lot of people quiet like no uh, wow not when not when we live in a world that is just shot through with tools for anonymity so why don't we know the the terms of every lawsuit settlement that's ever happened? Because we don't care, for the most part. Jeez. Uh, and this is the kind of thing that is so unimportant that it is guaranteed that somebody would make a big fucking deal about it on the internet if it were true. That's what I'm saying. Like, this is not a matter of life and death. This is a matter of, like, somebody being able to say, hey, check out this shit I know that would make a lot of people really mad on the internet. Trying, you can't contain they? stuff like that. You can't you can't stop the signal. You you can't. Okay. I can't stop peeing. So this assignment. Yeah. Strife. Pretty good. Yeah, what'd you think? How far did you get into it, Rifflesby? I I did not get very far, but I want to keep going and keep playing it. The reason I got I finished the power plant level and the the reason that that's as far as I got is that I spent most of my game playing time trying to figure out how to get that level without setting off the alarms. I could not figure out how to not set off alarms and it was driving me nuts. There yeah. is there's <clears throat> like if you go outside into the sort of dark docks area, there's a cave that is a back entrance and you have to you have to find that cave and then find another secret door and then you you can run around in the sort of behind the scenes areas and if you take a couple of trips through it then uh then you can get you can get everything you need without having to go through those two green force fields that set the alarms uh-huh. off 
Is it, I don't know, they just like secret doors where you just have to like press on every wall until you open yeah, something? Yeah, this <sighs> particular one is, it's not inobvious. I mean, it's a different texture, but you have to notice that it's a different texture. I wonder if there's somebody somewhere that tells you about it. Like, d- were you with me at the talk with John Romero and the other guy who got kind of kicked out of id after they had a falling out during the development of Doom about what Doom was supposed to be? like the original design doc of mm-hmm. Doom, it was crazy ambitious. There were like all these different areas that you could go to and there were NPCs, there were like factions that you could align with and stuff. And like, it was not, just it was not meant to be just like a dumb shoot 'em up. Like it was like a fucking crazy video game. Huh. And the engine was built to support this, but then they just didn't end up doing any of it. They just like, wow, this is just shooting stuff game. Huh. Um, and this sort of like, wow, okay, I can see why they thought this was going to work because it totally does work. <laughs> um, it it felt like the dialogue stuff was tacked on. Really? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was like it was hooked into all the systems, right? Like there there were the inventory system was used to much more of an effect than it was in a doom or, sure. or a quake or something. And, you know, it was being able to I save health packs until you actually needed them is pretty great. Yeah. And the yeah. fact that it'll use them automatically if you need them. Mm. I kind of screwed myself because I took the chalice from the mm. first area. And then when I got to the mayor to try to like negotiate, How do you get to whatever, the mayor? like he, the guy gives you this key, right? He says yeah, he gives you, you a key. You just have to find his house. Well, okay, I, I, I found the house, but like every door was still locked. You got you go talk to a guy and you say that I have an appointment with the mayor, and he's like, I thought you did. Yeah, I and then did he that. Lets you, and then he lets you upstairs to where the mayor is. And then the in my case, locked. the mayor is like, You stole that chalice. Fuck you. And then everything on the map mm-hmm. was aggroed at me, and I my last save was like from the beginning of the game. So, yeah. Like I. That was sort of where it is real easy to just permanently fuck yourself over by aggroing everyone in the world. By just <laughs> firing seems. the fucking crossbow anywhere, or, the alarm goes off. Or just walking to the wrong place. I didn't ever set it off except by crossing one of those green barriers. Oh, yeah? Just by walking anywhere. Because hmm. I, like, I went into the... crossbow, you can kill a guy without setting the alarm off. And I think yeah, punching a guy to death will also I didn't, set the alarm off. I... Sometimes I've, I've I definitely have set the alarm off by uh, killing an NPC. I think this engine is capable of modeling a lot of stuff that it is not really capable of adequately expressing. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it makes it very difficult. Like it, maybe if you read the manual, it would say I was doing a bunch of like certain weapons jumping around. Not- like I went into the like I think it was the armorer's place. And like stole his armor and oh, huh. stuff like that. And then the only way to get out was to break a window and leave because you can't get out the front door because it's locked. Um, and you can get into the mayor's house by jumping through the window because you can jump and stand on one of the um, the shrubs and then just jump in through the window. But then there's nothing really to do in there. You can like get some stuff from the, from the basement, basement or whatever. Yeah. It's sort of impressive how much world they were able to make. It's a very small level without overall there ever be because in that engine you can't ever have you can't have like a two surfaces mm-hmm. above and below each other. So uh, yeah, everything is just a height map. 
that's like every it's all fake it seems like it's not limited that way but it totally is hmm. which is why it's a little weird like the way the mayor's house is laid out is just like a weird tree where every hallway goes in a different direction but they did an impressive job of not making it seem like that limitation existed yeah i, I kind of want to play doom in this GZ Doom emulator because I think Doom would be a lot more tolerable with mm. mouse look and actual WASD. Wait, wait, controls. what do you mean mouse look? Like you still can't look up and down. No, but I mean okay. you're turning with the mouse, which is the important thing. I, I couldn't use it because I would turn and then it would also move me forward or backward by some random amount. Uh, you might have had some config settings to. Uh, yeah, to I, just, I, had, I had to spend a lot of time yeah, configuring. Yeah, right. <laughs> like especially like. Because I, I got all the, the keys that I was expecting, but then later I had to go back and go, like, you know, how do I... I mean, I picked up this gadget. How the hell do I use that? And then had to go and s discover that there were inventory operating keys. Yeah, that was a thing that used to be fairly common was the left bracket and right bracket to move mm -hmm. your inventory highlight and then the enter key to use whatever item. I feel like there were multiple games that used that kind of scheme. It's weird, like, it didn't take very long for all that stuff to get completely standardized, and it is so, we're so spoiled by the fact that we can pick up any shooter now and just play it that we don't, Not like, being able to look up or down drives me bonkers now. Yeah, like, but they don't, yeah. I mean, they designed the levels so that you don't really need to. In it fact, I think, it still just I mean, you can, though. you can, you can put the settings that you can look up in, in this at least. But right. if you do, you notice that the skybox is kind of fucked up. And according yeah. to that that Ross Scott video, he says at one point there's there's somewhere where like if you look up, it there's an actual object up there near the ceiling that you couldn't otherwise see, which is a a, a story spoiler. Really? Yeah, I didn't get huh. far enough to actually see what it was, but interesting. I don't know that I'm actually going to play any more of this, but I am really impressed by it. Mm -hmm. Are you? Yeah. Hmm. I mean, the fact that this is in the same engine as Doom is crazy to me. Like, because I could imagine using this engine to make something that was really cool. I could not imagine using Doom and its engine as I understood it to make something really cool. I was impressed by the 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 amount of voice acting mm -hmm. and, like, the relative... It's kind of uneven quality. And none of those guys look like they're art. It's weird... None of those guys sound like their art. Oh, I mean, sound like I guess it. they all look like their art because <laughs> by definition. Yeah. Um I I had I had some trouble um because there doesn't seem to be I did not initially discover the key that would let you pop up the little thing telling you your quest objectives and there's no way apparently to get a guy to to repeat his conversation. Right. So mm. like if I took a break for an hour and came back and didn't remember where the hell I was supposed to go. There's just no way to find out if you I only go everywhere them, until that girl talks to you once you get the comm link. Yeah, yeah. I, was, I only found the two quests and then I basically stopped after I turned both of them in and shit went bad. I killed the guy that gave me the chalice quest and mm -hmm. it like a secret passage opens up when you kill yeah. him. Oh. If you have the chalice, I had the chalice when I found that guy. And then he was like, well, fuck you. I'm going to take the chalice and just kill you. And you aggro everybody anyway. I think there's no way to Jesus. actually complete that quest. And then it just makes it so you can't do what the mayor wants because he is pissed off because you stole the chalice. And then you aggro but you everybody in there. you can't get to the mayor without 
taking the chalice? No, you can't. Apparently, you're the, just not supposed to take the chalice. You're, yeah, you're um, the the actual. Also, it's rebel a fucking metal fireball. What? That's not a chalice. Yeah. I didn't yeah. know what they were talking about. I was like, "Is this a chalice? Oh, this must be a chalice." Trophy looking thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's the there's another way to get a mayor key. So you like there's okay. a proper way. But the guy said he gave me a key, and. I went back to the mayor's place work. and every door was still fucking locked. There I might be an occasional bug because at the end of the power plant, I ran into a similar problem where I couldn't get the last elevator to unlock, even though the the maintenance guy told me he'd give me the key. But when I reloaded my save and tried it again, it worked. Okay. So I don't know. It sucks. It's hard to tell with things of this sort of vintage yeah. whether something is wrong right. or whether just it's not just it. not it's not expressing itself with enough fidelity to make it clear to you that you're doing something wrong. I apparently this game originally only had one save slot and I cannot imagine playing it that way. I mean, how long is it? Right. I could imagine playing it that way if it was only a couple hours long. Okay. Yeah. If, if starting over wasn't that big a penalty, I suppose that's true. I started the game like three or four times on the like normal difficulty and then was like, fuck this and put it at the, the easiest difficulty and then it was sort of tolerable yeah it's a lot easier to just mow down huge groups of dudes and then they give you enough ammo to mow down the next huge group of dudes <laughs> did you ever get like a gun yeah okay because i just had the crossbows the whole time and was when like, the guy the guy will send you back to inale or whatever the their fixer is and he will sell you a gun okay they give you a bunch of money uh Massel gives you a bunch of money and then you can it's enough to buy a gun and then it has full ammo to start with. And then huh, okay. when you there's accidentally a, aggro everyone, you can just like mow them down. There's a mini rocket launcher at the end of the uh, well, partway through the power plant. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I can't decide whether I would go back and play this. I was super sort of underwhelmed by it to begin with. I, I think a fantasy version of it with a sort of a more comprehensible story. Sort of like Hexen plus been plus. a lot more. Yeah. Would have been a lot more appealing to me, but I mean, and apparently there is some like magic and shit in this. You start oh, yeah. getting a thing, and it, you invoke it, and the more pieces of it you have, the bigger lightning spell it casts Whoa. and stuff. I just sort of started. Yeah, flipping. I guess you have like what light, lightning arrows or whatever air, energy arrows. I forget what those are called. Yeah, and I think there's some magic later. Huh? It's it seemed kind of confused. Yeah. And I don't know how well something with that low a sort of resolution of presentation can get away with having a really weird story. Mm. You know, I mean, it's like System Shock is pretty stock sci-fi, so it's okay. The stuff doesn't look like much of anything, you know, <laughs> but if you were trying to create an entirely new sort of genre of of science fantasy stuff the limited ability to actually express things in the world would be a real detriment it seems like you'd want to put a lot more writing into it and then they just didn't took a long time to figure out how to get gz doom to not smooth the pixels so gross nobody wants that why would anyone want that (laughs) i didn't care yeah What are we doing for the next assignment, Kevin? So uh, I saw an interesting uh, article today about 
a uh, British developer who just released his video game that he has spent 13 years making. Uh, he started it when he was 14 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is called Tobias and the Dark Scepters. Uh, it is free and it's a Windows download. Um, so I'll post information about it on the forums. It might sounds good. It might be terrible. It seems it sounds like from his description, like there's just a ton of like every level is like custom like content, custom systems. Like he designed all of these different puzzles and stuff like that, and then just never reuses the mechanics and just goes on and does something else that's like crazy ambitious. Like you know, he clearly wasn't working on it full time for 13 years, but uh, he had a bunch of ideas and he just waited until they were all done before releasing it, which is kind of a neat idea. So. Do we have any listeners' mails? We do. Alpha Omicron writes Mustard and onions is the one true hot dog topping combination. Sauerkraut can fuck right off. <laughs> well, you are objectively and provably wrong, Alpha Omicron, and I will prove you wrong by eating a hot dog with sauerkraut and enjoying the fuck out of it. <laughs> I, I do prefer a sausage to a hot dog, and on that sausage, I, I enjoy some sauerkraut. Maybe mm. some, some spicy peppers, some sweet peppers. Quine says, every time I watch the Dungeon Train episode of Adventure Time, I always think, this is the best piece of media about video games that isn't explicitly about video games. Have you seen it? It's about playing too much Diablo when you're depressed. You'd love it. (laughs) And then links to the episode, which I did watch yesterday. But I realized, I can't name any other pieces of media that are about video games, but not explicitly so. Can you think of any other books, TV shows, or movies only implicitly about video games? The Wizard and Ready Player One are explicitly about games because they are because they have games as part of the plot. The Mortal Kombat movie counts as explicitly about video games because it's a video game property what did you say run the run yeah okay that is an excellent example of that the matrix probably really yeah mm. it's like saving and reloading the world in a lot of ways yeah run little run definitely right because that's just like you got three guys to to do this thing i mean it even animates her in what at one point like well the credit sequence yeah, is no, like a credits. video game version of her right so well but right that's the yeah um wreck it ralph <laughs> sure yeah good I'm just trying to think if there's anything else I can think of where there is like a a stand in for a video game as vice you know <sighs> mazes and monsters I guess that's not really video games you know the lesson that I sort of liked about Dungeon Train was at the end, when he says, all right, you go home. I'm going to stay on this train for another couple weeks, but it will be fine. <laughs> <laughs> and that's like, just it's OK. It's OK. It's OK to play video games when you're depressed, even if you think that they're not video games that you would be playing when you weren't depressed, because vices are OK. Like, it is OK to have some vices. It is not OK to allow those vices to ruin your life. Right. I would rather I would rather have somebody play World of Warcraft too much for a couple of weeks than smoke too much crack for a couple (laughs) of weeks like or gamble. Right. I mean, Mm -hmm. your time is your own to waste and playing video games at least doesn't hurt anybody else. 
you know, unless you neglect your family or whatever, in which case, no matter what you did with that time would be hurting somebody else. Mm -hmm. But I think it's okay as long as you acknowledge that video games that are not like teaching you anything or giving you like a real novel experience or being thought provoking ones that are just like ringing that dopamine bell over and over again, as long as you recognize that that is a drug and just treat it like a drug, just use it responsibly, use it as much as you can handle. And if it starts to, if the balance of power starts to tip a little bit too far towards the drug, like just walk away, just walk away from it and reassert your own control. And that doesn't mean that you never have to do it again. It just means you need to be cognizant of the way that you interact with your vices, just like you do for every other vice that you have. Like Miami. Yeah. Like playing too much Hotline Miami. <laughs> and your your admirals and whatnot. What are some other things that have the word vice in them? Uh, like a vice grip. Grip. Yeah. 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 Like listening to too many Perry Grip songs. Oh, yeah. Hey, Perry Grip is featured on the new uh, MC Frontalot album. Watching too much Perry Mason. Mm-hmm. Building too, mu- building too many Perry walls. Filling too many Mason jars. Um, yeah, that, thank you, Quine, for sending that. That was, that was a cool episode. Do you know what season that is? I don't. Okay. If you just search for Dungeon Train, you will find the ability to watch it. Also, episodes of Adventure Time are like 10 minutes long. It's great. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, let's see. Somebody, uh, who doesn't give their name rights. It might interest you to know that in A Link to the Past, the original Japanese name for the magic hammer was the MC Hammer. (laughs) I look here for a screenshot. We were talking about that. They were playing Mario Kart 8 in the office, and somebody pointed out that Ludwig von Koopa was one of the characters, one of the NPC characters in the race, and that we started talking about the bosses in Super Mario 3, which included Morton Koopa Jr., (laughs) because apparently whoever was on the localization team there thought that Morton Downey Jr. was going to end up being as resonant and perennial a historical reference as Ludwig van Beethoven. (laughs) But that turned out not to be the case because no one in the room knew who Morton Downey Jr. was, which was weird. Huh. Uh, Anyway, so yeah, that was Super Mario 3 bosses. That's weird. So now this is like Leroy Ninja Stars or whatever the guy, <laughs> the bosses from Gunsmoke. <laughs> um, Mr. Nee says, normally when I listen to the podcast, I find myself agreeing with Zach half the time and Kevin the other half. Listening to podcast number 154, for once I must say that I agreed almost completely with Riff. Um, what was what were we talking about? Yeah. Well, 154 was the one where Riff was slipping in and out of time. Lopey says, do any of you ever have nostalgia for the original video game arcades? If so, what was your favorite arcade game? Man, I have fucking nothing but nostalgia for mm. video arcades for forever. Yeah. Largely because I did not get enough of them as a kid. Like, playing video games was a thing that was such a rare treat for me that it just became an obsession. And I didn't get to burn out the way that a lot of people do when they get ready access to something that is so that, amazing that happened to me with gauntlet a friend in high school bought a gauntlet cabinet and you're fucking rich kids it was i mean i think it was like a year's a year's savings for him or whatever uh and so we just played it for an entire week he lived in a house big enough to hold a gauntlet cabinet <laughs> um i lived in a chimney kevin <laughs> 
You, you could have knocked out a wall and replaced it with a gauntlet cabinet. But then it would have just been an outdoor gauntlet cabinet. Well, the back of it. And we would have all frozen to death because the being in that chimney was the only thing keeping us warm. Uh, somebody else's chimney. Anyway, you, you burn out real fast on that game if you play oh, it for yeah. like 20 hours straight. I mean, I bought Zybots. And we had a couple days of playing a shitload of Zybots, and then it's like, well, we've seen all there is to see in Zybots. Yeah, yeah. Kevin has hacksored the high score list. Kinda, yeah. Um. Anyway, but I like having Zybots now because I can take it to Zapcon, and then a bunch of other people can have Zybots for a weekend. Right. That's true. I figured out a way to turn buying something I didn't really need into a legitimate business purpose. <laughs> um. I don't know what my favorite arcade game... That is a tough question. Was. It is yeah. a tough question. I it mean, was. I really liked Gauntlet when I was a kid, but I never got to play enough Gauntlet, so it always yeah. seemed amazing. I mean, Dragon's Lair was amazing, oh, God, but now yeah. I under now I can definitely see the holes in it. But that was one that I spent a lot of time thinking about when I wasn't playing it because it seemed like it just had infinite promise. Oh yeah, that's true. There's there's at least three different games that I can think of off the top of my head that I only ever saw in this one arcade in my hometown. I've never seen them anywhere else, and I don't know what they were called. I, I just don't remember the names of them, so they're almost impossible to find in the giant friggin' MAME lists. Recount everything that you can remember about them. Uh, okay, so one of them, you are a little guy riding on your choice of a tiger or an ogre or a dragon, uh, pubbling other ogres in the face with a ball and chain and their faces get bloody and then their heads explode and fly off and sometimes the skull is left behind and that's a power-up. It Was it like a side-scrolling... Were yes. you flying or were you... Uh, you were kind of flying if you if you got to the point where you could access the dragon, but otherwise you were walking around on the ground. Hmm. Uh, there was another one that was kind of gauntlety, but the uh, the it was it was like much Gauntlet more. Two. <laughs> no, it was much higher resolution and more uh, uh, more graphical. It was it was later in years, um, and the the stages were a lot more elaborate with like floating platforms that you had to jump between and stuff. And there were like weapons that you could pick up, including the bullwhip and the dynamite. And I, I remember the, the intro movie, like the, the attract mode was of this archaeologist opening this, this, uh, chest or sarcophagus that he had found in front of a bunch of people at a press conference. And then light <laughs> shoots out of it and all the people get sucked in. So the characters that you're playing are like, you had your choice of the Indiana Jones dude or the uh, reporter lady that got sucked in or like a couple other random people. And it was, you were like trying to escape from this other dimension. Hmm. And then the other one was a real straightforward sort of uh top down upward scrolling Kung Fu fighting kind of game. Um, I don't, I don't know how to describe that one because there wasn't anything super distinctive about it like gameplay wise but i think that one uh, i think that one started with a v <laughs> i'm sure well, that's weird. very helpful none of those are none of those are ringing a bell at all yeah <laughs> maybe one yeah, of these that's... days i'll 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 give a i'll lend a hand to cuz i i found the the first one i have definitely found before on mame it's i think it's called black something 
but I'll I'll see if I can uh so maybe this weekend I'll uh, I'll go through the lists on on mame.com or whatever and and see if I can find them and post them in the thread. I remember really liking so of the arcade that I got to go to the most often. I really liked Black Tiger, which is also mm-hmm. a game that Ernest Klein talks about, which right. is cool. Um because hardly anybody has even heard of that game. And also Solar Fox, which was just a game that I got. That was like the first arcade game that I got good at. And so I could play it for a really long time on one quarter. So it was always like my getting to the arcade, like sort of burning off the initial burst of like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God oh, fucking arcade. I'm at a fucking arcade, <laughs> which was l- as like as not to just burn through my entire s- stock of quarters. Like, oh, what's this? I'm going to play this. Oh, what's this? I'm going to play this. I remember really liking the Willow game huh. in the arcade. Because it just looks really nice. And that was one of the first things I like played all the way through on MAME once MAME was a thing. Man, discovering MAME was a... I mean, I was probably like 24 when MAME really became a thing. And that was a fucking revelation. Just yeah. suddenly being able to play every video game right. with infinite quarters... Ah, oh, man. How how did you get anything done ever again? Yeah, it's weird. I didn't really. Troy says, Zach, glad you're enjoying Last Call. I once recommended the Dresden Files books to you when I met you at the only advice hot dog meetup. Did you ever check them out? It's detective slash wizard urban fantasy with lots of referential geek humor. I never have, but... Uh, yeah, I keep, made, I I keep meaning to. to pick those up. Uh, CDM recommended them at one point, too, but I have not got around to it. RNG He Hate Me says, if you're on a Tim Powers kick, you need to read The Drawing of the Dark. It is a fantasy novel about how a person saves the world with the secrets revealed by brewing a magical beer. <laughs> that sounds pretty good. Ah, oh, Last Call is good. I'm I'm getting right up into, into the end of it now, and it's just like, ugh, man. Hmm. I like I like this guy's books that he writes. Tim Powers? Yeah. And this one is less, uh, I don't know, we're sort of talking to, talking to some guys here who had read it, and they were like, yeah, it's a little like... Not, or who had read uh, <clears throat> On Stranger Tides. And that one, like, doesn't... Like, it has some sort of women characters in it that are just kind of props, right? And it's like, eh. I Background decoration. Legitimate criticism of that. This one's better. There are, there are some important ladies. Although, they're, like... Their chastity is uh, sort of important to the plot in a weird way that's huh. a little... Like, I don't... It's... <clears throat> Like, kind of the basic premise of this, it seems, is that all of the major arcana in the tarot are actual, like, sort of active... People in the world. ...kind of collective unconscious forces that are at work that can inhabit people. Huh. And, yeah, I don't know, it's... When you die, you go down to where they live, and it seems like... You either, like, death sucks worse than just annihilation because of that, or it, I, maybe, maybe not. Maybe for most people it's just regular death, but some people get stuck, like, being fucked around with as playthings of those forces. Interesting. Anyway, but it's also just about, like, drunks in Vegas. It's good. Um, Rainbow says, where did Skeleton 338974 go? I haven't seen her. I don't remember. I don't That's what referencing. I don't either. Rainbow also says, nay. This could be weird spam. 
Trepa says, after listening to episode 155, I've concluded that my favorite thing about this show is listening to Zach fail at video games. No offense intended. It is hilarious. (laughs) Yeah, that was me uh, describing my time with Watch Dogs, I think. Uh, King Stupid says, oh my, did you guys see this? Tim Schafer playing Grim Fandango. Interesting stuff. And neat to see Game Designer playing through one of at least my favorites. Yeah, this was... In anticipation, I think, of the re, the announcement of the re-release of Grim Fandango. Here is my unpopular opinion that I'm going to go on record with. I don't think that Grim Fandango is a very good video game. Really? It looks really cool and the writing and the personality and the atmosphere of it are fan-fucking-tastic. But I think as a video game, it suffers from all of the bullshit problems that are why adventure games just aren't very good. Mm. I mean, didn't didn't we kind of come to the same conclusion about Full Throttle, right? Like, yeah. it's it's cool, it's got really good atmosphere and stuff like that, but like it's... Just fundamentally, I think that point-and-click adventure games are not good. I don't have the same feeling about the old Parser Sierra Quest games, and I don't know... If that's just me being like having the like patina, the rose patina of like memory playing those games in my youth, or if there is something about the agency of being able to type a bunch of shit that <clears throat> makes it better than the having to click everything and like you get you get feedback, which is a good way to like give you hints and nudge you in directions of that. Whereas in an adventure game, sometimes you're just floundering around because there's just nothing that tells you what to do. So my, my feeling about it is like space quest and King's quest didn't really have a story, right? Like they weren't, they weren't as well realized narrative arcs as the LucasArts stuff was, mm-hmm. because like those guys are good at telling a story and Telltale, you know, has kind of moved along with that. Space Quest was a series of jokes with occasional puzzles in between them, but there wasn't an arc of like nobody learns anything. There's not like there are just these like sort of obstacles that are placed in the way of the player. The player is more or less just a cipher, right? Whereas like Ben Ben from Full Throttle is a fucking character, right? right? Like that guy has a personality that you know. You're just kind of a schmo in in uh, Space Quest, right? And you're and you're like a nothing in King's Quest, like that. And that's that's why I but think you- that. That's why I think they work as games, because all of their stuff is in the service of, like, there's this world that you explore, and there's weird things that you can have interactions with, and you're not like, god damn it, I have got to figure out this stupid puzzle so I can figure out how to trigger the next cutscene that advances this story. There just wasn't that in the Sierra games. Like, they were just... They were just environments to dick around in. My memory of it is that you, in... In the King's Quest games, you, like, achieve more and more facility and power, like you learn spells or whatever. And in the Space Quest games, you actually become kind of able to do a bunch of stuff and manage to get stuff off. But, like, at the end of at least the Space Quest games, you're just always reduced back to janitor status. Like, you're given a golden mop or whatever, right? Like, like... But they don't... There's not, like... I don't I don't know how to characterize this. When I say that KOL doesn't have a story, what I mean is that it is like it doesn't have a story in the same way that Space Quest 1 doesn't have a story. And like I would almost say that the Monkey Island games are more like Space Quest than they are like Full Throttle or Grim Fandango, right? Hmm. And 
Space Quest is you're in a huge area that you can move around in, the Arcadia at the beginning, and you can go to all of the rooms and you just have like a series of things to interact with, a series of hazards to avoid, a series of puzzles that you have to solve to like move on to the next chapter. But the next chapter isn't like a thing that happens. The next chapter is just desert world. Right. And then you're in that big area and you move around and you solve the puzzles and you figure out what to do to move on to the third one, which is now you're in like, you know, Moss Eisley, basically. Right. And you, you know, like, like, and I get that there is a story. You could tell the story of, oh, there was a janitor and he just in the nick of time managed to escape this ship before it was blown up by the right. Sarians. But there are no like other characters in it. There is, there is Dr. Slash Vohal, who yeah. is, I think, the old man who's collapsed dying in front of the computer and tells you, stellar whatever to be the password that you type into the computer to get the thing that you need later you don't have to you can escape the ship without getting this fucking thing but then you get stuck at a later puzzle they just randomly change his name to sludge vohal and he's the villain in space quest 2 because there is like there is no continuity to participate in it's not his brother sludge they don't they just don't say it never comes up they just reused the name, as far as I know, because there isn't an important Space Quest continuity. Space Quest mm -hmm. is just a bunch of vignettes that happen against the backdrop of a really phoned-in story that is fine that it's phoned in because all it is is a backdrop for you to run around some environments and encounter some jokes and solve some puzzles. Like, it's just not... And, like, I guess you're nominally, like, trying to save the world from these alien bad guys or mm -hmm. whatever, but that is not a story in the way that, like, you trying to help the girl in full throttle who that guy stole her welding tools or whatever is, right? Like, they're just, they are not aspiring in the Sierra games hmm. to, like, say anything about the human condition. Interesting. And in and in Full Throttle and in Grim Fandango, I think they are. And that's why, I, like, I don't know where I think Monkey Island fits into that continuum. Because it is... Very gamey. Yeah, it is gamey, and it's and it's a lot of, you know, it's a lot of just little vignettes and excuses for, for jokes or whatever. But it is structured a lot more linearly than some of these things are. You know, it's... Structurally, it is more akin to a full throttle in terms of like at a given point in the game, how many rooms can you go to? Like what is the possibility space? This makes me think about, uh, Emily short and, um, blood and laurels. No, uh, I just blanked on counterfeit monkey, counterfeit monkey. Thank you. Um, because that manages to be both a game that has a narrative and is interesting, but also has a bunch of really cool game mechanics to it. And it's not exactly like traversing just a set pieces. Like you're not just traversing set pieces with puzzles. You are actually like interacting with people and having interesting discussions and stuff. Like the I feel like the narrative, the explicit narrative of counterfeit monkey is kind of weak though. If anything about it is weak, it is the actual story of the stuff that happens to the people, right? Like you're, you learn things about your relationship with one of the characters through your memories, right? You've but got those... that, that sort of weird dual 
body thing, which is right. super interesting to begin with and allows for a bunch of both character interaction and development and mechanical stuff all at the same time. It's, I, I don't know. I like, I feel like that was a, that was a beautiful fusion of the two extremes, right? Yeah. And I, I mean, I think the reason that I liked it is because it focused a little less on actually trying to tell a coherent story hmm. and focused more on being a game. And that's not like her. And I think maybe the fact that she tried to do something that she didn't really like, you know, that she wasn't like super into as a player is what made that so interesting because she did stuff that it wouldn't occur to you to do if you were so well versed in the, hmm. you know, the, the idiosyncrasies of that kind of game. Blood and Laurels, which I guess is out now for real yeah. people can actually buy it yeah that's actually a thing that i meant to to bring up in the news she got control of that stuff back somehow yeah, that's great which is great for her um and so i saw a little bit of chatter about it on twitter i hope that that means that some people bought it yeah me too hmm. she was she was gracious enough to send us another code to just get it for free i would have bought it if she had just told me hey it's available for sale but have you played uh, it yet oh uh, we played it the first time yeah, back before it was supposed to be released the first time, and then yeah, when it was still killed it when like we, two we days sort of, before it was supposed to be released, we, ah. we sort of beta tested it for Linden Labs, but then they canned it. Uh, so that is a weird case where it's it's all story, and there and the systemy are... stuff. When you notice the systemy stuff, it's really jarring because yeah, right. Yeah. But there is a whole crazy system stuff. Yeah, I mean there's probably a lot of and we talked about this before. There's yeah. probably a lot of systemy stuff that's happening and you don't notice it when it's not jarring. When it when you when you don't notice it, it's just because it's working really well. Right. Um Yeah. But it, for me, it's somehow it's weirder when it is when you try to apply that stuff to human relationships than it is when you apply it to like the way a robot moves around a space or whatever, right. because there's you know, the the reason that video games tackle some of the subject matter they do is because that's the subject matter you can get away with tackling with the limited palette. I mean, it's if I had to make a generalization from what you've been talking about, it seems like games in which you are just able to interact primarily with the environment and not other characters that are supposed to be fully fleshed out personalities. It, it's a lot easier to, to just focus on puzzles and not have to worry about narrative nearly as much. Um, but like full throttle, like the whole game. Yeah. When you try to do them both. I mean, that's the, that's the issue. Like the dig, the dig is about exploring a weird environment, but it is gated by stupid, difficult puzzles. Hmm. And there's no other people to interact with in it really. I mean, maybe there is later, but like that. So I don't know that two other characters, I don't know that that's, that's precisely the difference i mean i think it is like so in the walking dead the focus is on the story right right and eventually they just got rid of all of the puzzly elements because they only get in the way of that and the old lucasarts stuff the ones that had a really strong story it was it was really obnoxious when the puzzles would get in the way of it Hmm. You know, it is obnoxious to just really care about the character of Manny Calavera and want to know what happens to him next and want to know, like, what is going on in this world? And then, nope, I didn't figure out that you have to fucking put this playing card in the hole puncher on your secretary's desk so that you can stop your balloons from being sucked through this hose too fast or whatever. And like, 
just I fuck that. <laughs> like it's just it's pointless obstacles being put in the way of what the game is trying to do. Interesting. Like and I don't care about obscure puzzles if they're in the context of a text adventure or whatever. You know, I mean, and that that's why I think, that's sort of why I just kind of believe that point-and-click adventures are bullshit. Because once they get to the point where they are successful at being an interactive story where you care about stuff, then the only thing that the puzzles are is just, like, shitty roadblocks in the way of that. And if they care about how well their puzzles are, then they should just be a puzzle game. You know, I don't know who there is that... I think there's a very limited market to whom both of those are really appealing. Probably me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, could be. Yeah, and me. <laughs> I'm sure it's possible to create such a game that where you can both have a good story and have the puzzles not ruin the pacing. I mean, with with well-designed and well-clued puzzles and puzzles that make sense in terms of the world and the story, I definitely think it's possible. Uh, Do you feel like you're loom? right that it's vanishingly rare, though? Loom works because the puzzles are trivially easy. Hmm. Like Loom, Loom is a game that basically sacrifices having puzzles by make. And, and I mean, this is like so. Brian Moriarty in in Wishbringer, he did a thing that I think was pretty cool. He the way that he allowed you to experience the story elements of that and i mean it's not wishbringer isn't as story as loom is right like wishbringer is still like a lot of the world is open up to you at the beginning and there's not a lot of there's not a lot of like actual explicit narrative shit happening right there's one kind of turn in the beginning when the world sort of flips and then the rest of it is just you doing a bunch of kind of individual unrelated things that eventually coalesce towards an ending yeah, but it's kind of zorky yeah but there are, like, easy mode solutions to all of the puzzles. So, like, you basically start the game with this object that is essentially a get-out-of-three-puzzles-free card. And so, whichever ones are hard to you, you can just cheat through. Hmm. And you don't get as good an ending, right, as if you figure out all of them, but you get to see it. You get to progress. You get to explore it. And Loom wanted to tell a cool linear story and the puzzles are just like they're they're so easy that they're effectively not puzzles but that is fucking great because the strength of that was never going to be in like figuring out which object to rub on which other object right like and I mean, a lot of it was the, just the simplified means of interacting with the world, like the simplified and interesting means of interacting with the world, right? You you didn't have objects that you could pick up. All right. you had was the ability to cast spells. And your interactions were cast this spell on this object. And so it was, for whatever reason, it was much easier for me to imagine the possibility space of trying to solve a puzzle when it's like, well, it can only be one of these five things. 
that I know how to do. It's not possible that there is, I mean, and it, it was in some ways possible that there's a song that you didn't learn, right? but all of the songs you learn just by clicking on something, like none of them are hard to learn. You get everything by exploring the environment. There's never pixel hunting. Is there, you know? is there anything that clues you that reversed spells are a thing, or is that just something you have to think of and try? I don't remember. I want to say there is something in the game that teaches you that. Yeah. I, I think. I mean, I remember as a kid figuring it out, but I don't remember if it was because it was like spelled out to me hmm. in something. I mean, I think I remember figuring it out from the thing for. Because. In the manual, there is a spell for dying something. And then I think maybe you learn the backwards version of that. Like, you learn a spell that is the opposite of one of the spells that it says exists. Hmm. So, I might be making that up. I don't think I had the book with me when I played it last time. Because we played it for the assignment. Yeah. And I think I didn't have the manual with me. I do think I listened to the audio, the tape that came in. <laughs> yeah, anyway. So, yeah, that's uh, that's how I feel about uh, that video about Tim Schafer playing Grim <laughs> Fandango. <apparently. laughs> Guys, I've had an excellent time recording this episode of Video Games Hot Dog with you. If somebody wanted yep. to send us a listener's mail for next time, Kevin, how would they do that? Uh, they could tweet us at VG Hot Dog. They could email us, VGHotDog at gmail.com. And they could check out our website, uh, videogameshotdog.com, where there's a form to submit questions. And you can see a skeleton and a sweet sword. Guys, I can't wait till next week when we do another episode of Video Games Hot Dog with each other. It's going to be great. Bye, everybody. Have a great week, everyone. See ya. I, so, all right, let's just do it. Let's just write that not on, not on the radio, but we write the shaggy dog story about how like the Pope commits a crime, but mm-hmm. there's some weird doctrinal thing that prevents them from like executing him or whatever. Cool so he gets Saint sent Luke. to a labor camp. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. St. Luke. <laughs> right. So, and they try, they're like, instru- they're like, tell the guys at this like hard ass labor camp, like just break this guy, just break him. Cause we need to get him to leave the church <laughs> of his own volition, but he's never, he's just never going to do it. And so, and then it just ends with mm-hmm. what we have here is a failure to excommunicate. And it could just be like, you know, no man can eat 40 eggs. And then they do a bunch of other stuff. And then the next day, no man can eat 41 eggs. Like that, the, the, the shaggy dog uh, expanding part. All right. This is pretty good. Riff. Riff. You like writing shaggy dog stories. This, this is my new job, huh? <laughs>